Um, I love your hair. Okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to do with my hair, to be honest with you right now. Mm-hmm. It is, you know how like you make a decision and later you realize maybe it wasn't wasn't the the best decision but because of a set of circumstances it was the decision you made so the set of circumstances are the night before I wash my hair I put oil in it yeah like um body oil or face oil or whatever oil I've got on hand to like moisturize it and Mm -hmm. I figure well no one's really gonna see it but I forgot we were doing this so I greased my hair up real good and then in addition to that I read a news story about like hair trends for this spring or whatever. Because okay. I just, I like to know what people are up to. It's not yeah. necessarily I'm looking to be guided in any way, but maybe also I am. So I read there. that like, uh, very curious. Mm-hmm. So the bob is going to be big. Those, um, ponytail, the, the bubble pony. So you do a ponytail and then, you know, those little clear, um, the, the clear rubber bands, yeah, the real yeah. tiny ones are the ones I have in my hair yeah. right now. Uh-huh. You like sequentially place those down the ponytail oh, yeah, and they yeah. kind of bubble out the hair. You know what I'm talking I about? I used to wear my hair like that all the time in college. Well, it's all the back. time. It's back. I mean, baby. high school. I don't mean college. I was, I'm way young. You're way young. You mean <laughs> in eighth grade. Right. Just years ago. <laughs> Just a few years ago. Just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So I. One of the hairstyles was this one, right? Mm, like the two. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I was like, I did the thing where I was like, I'm young. I'm cool. I can do my hair like this. <laughs> and then I did it. And I was like, what are you, what are you going for here, girl? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I kept it because it it is one of the only ways to keep my hair out of my face. Yeah. If I try to do it into one, it'll sometimes work, but then it'll come out. Um but separating them off is, yeah. is very effective. Absolutely. Um, so I'm really glad you said something because I really like it. I'm feeling a little self-conscious about it. Thank you. <laughs> no, I really like it. Uh-huh. Thank you. Welcome to Breast Cancer is Boring, a podcast about breast cancer with Jocelyn and Lauren. Whether you have breast cancer or any other kind of cancer or you're just a weirdo who's super <laughs> cancer curious, welcome we hope you enjoy because breast cancer is boring but we and you are interesting i love it are you ready totally ready for this <laughs> ready as I'll okay um let's start mm-hmm. welcome to breast cancer is boring welcome <laughs> hooray very special um, episode on a, on a very special episode of Breast Cancer is Boring, <laughs> Jocelyn and Lauren talk about sex. Ooh. That Ooh. was luxurious. <laughs> yeah. That was a little creepy, actually. I don't think it was, I should do like that. That was creepo vibe. The Sorry. male creepo voice. Um, how, how should we say it? Jocelyn and Lauren talk about sex. <laughs> or you could just That's spell a it. different vibe. S- E X. Just spell it out like mm-hmm. like we're fifth graders mm-hmm. and we just discovered it for the first time because we clicked. We just went through the like high, really high numbered channels and we found something very bad. Yeah. Um, it was all fuzzy. Not really sure what was going on. Yeah, but I think there was a nibble. 
<laughs> really like straining through the snowstorm of <laughs> interference on the TV. Is that a butt? <laughs> what do other butts look like? <laughs> oh, we didn't even have cable. All right. Yeah. And then you find out it's just baseball. So mm-hmm. <laughs> introductions. It's just us today. Um, because I was too embarrassed to bring anyone else into this conversation face-to-face. Some announcements before we begin. Uh, It's still a pandemic out there, so please wear a mask and stay the hell away from each other and uh, do everything that you can so that we can see our friends again because I am so lonely I cry myself to sleep at night. So, Also, if you're worried about this vaccine, that is so normal. So find reputable sources and read up on it and talk to your doctor and figure out what you're going to what you're going to do when you are offered the vaccine. Right. And once you've come to your conclusion, if it is to get the vaccine, I guarantee you the best vaccine for you is the one that is most readily available. Nice. I guarantee it. Yeah. I've had my vaccine. I had both doses uh, and it's been, I think, about a month Mm-hmm. since um and i hey i'm still here no worse for wear i'll tell you that so but you know what that's called that's called anecdote i'm oh. one person so don't right. go off of that absolutely also then don't i am the second it. person and you're the second person so i i got both doses and i am not a zombie you feel okay I'm feeling great just have this little twitch Right, the but Twitch, obviously, and occasionally, just occasionally, I can read minds. But, like, I have to be really close to the person in order mm-hmm. for it to happen. So it's like forehead to forehead. Yeah, and right. trust me when I say that gets awkward real quick. <laughs> Whew, people do not like when I do that. Um, so, yeah, pandemic. Uh, second announcement. Texans mm-hmm. all over Texas are still without power and... Farmers, which I didn't think about, you don't realize how much produce at your grocery store, at your HEB or your Whole Foods or your traders comes from local Texas farmers who have been horribly affected by the um, effects of overall climate change, but specific to the weather that took place um, last week in Texas. So if you would like to donate, there are a couple ways that you can do that. Austin Mutual Aid is one that I like and gets my money on the regular basis. Um, Central Texas Food Bank is another one. Um, mm. Great place to put your stimulus check if you don't really need it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, talking to me there. And then AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who is a congressperson from New York, I think you all know who I'm talking about, has done more to raise money for the state of Texas than any actual elected official for Texas. Right. In so, Texas. Mm-hmm. In Texas. Well, I would say in Texas, but Ted Cruz has not only gone to Cancun since this happened, but he's also been in Orlando joking, joking mm-hmm. about the fact that he went to Cancun. And can I just take a minute? I'm taking my glasses off here. No, I'm not. Actually, they're pretty anchored in there between my hair and these headphones. For dramatic effect, I was going to take them off. I'll leave them on. Ted Cruz is not a person I have ever enjoyed um, 
I disagree with his policies. I did not vote for him. So it's not like he's losing an audience member here. Right. Mm -hmm. But the thing that gets me is when we compare his actions to the worst possible actions of other people, historically or concurrently. And I just, that is not what I want from my elected official. I don't want your actions to be slightly better than the worst case scenario. I would like to compare them to what they ought to be. And I feel very strongly that an elected official who represents the state of Texas should fucking stay in the state of Texas when (laughs) there is a crisis going on and do everything they can. There were things to do. Right. There were things to do. I could have really used someone to go around and move resources from one hospital to another. Some of us had some supplies that the other hospital knew. We could have used that. I could have used someone going around and picking up some water, some Mm -hmm. bottled waters, because then we couldn't use the water. We've got patients. We've got employees. We've got their family members in some instances. We had to stop offering our patients water and offer them juice instead at a certain point because we were just waiting and our food supply chain had been disrupted. Right. You you signed up to help with that. I signed up to help with that when I became employed by a hospital, Mm -hmm. a level one trauma center. Like, that's what I signed up for. And I drove in on ice and I drove in on snow and I'm used to it, you know. But I don't have an SUV. I got a 2003 Honda Accord. And that girl got me to and from work several times and yeah, shuttled she a did. few other nurses. From We could have used someone with an SUV, which I know Ted Cruz has, to shuttle nurses from the hotels that we were putting them in so right. they could be available to take care of patients and not have to drive home. I'm just saying there were things to do and he could have helped. Right. So he either knew there were things to do and didn't give a fuck. Or he didn't know that there were things to do and thought it would be okay to, like, peace out for uh, half a week while people were in crisis. And I don't know which is better. Anyway. Mm. I have nothing nice to say. I disagree. I don't feel that this is the way a leader should act. So. I'm still really pissed about it. I can tell. I can tell, but rightfully so. Rightfully so. I mean, that everyone isn't upset about this is uh, is strange to me. Right. Why aren't people more upset? And why are you allowed to go to Orlando to CPAC and then joke about it? Why is that okay? Anyway, I think that there's just a lot of noise that has Mm -hmm. gone around all of this, and I think that um, he's. People like him are getting away with things because there's so much other noise around it. And when I mean noise, I just mean, you know, the whole energy crisis and then the lawsuits against that and, um, you know, the coronavirus and vaccines and then the number of cases, the number of deaths, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. It's just there's um, a lot going on in addition to his poor behavior in my it's a crisis opinion. on top of a crisis mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i think that actions like that are noticed but they're not like as in the forefront as it really should be also as we've spoken of before i need to do a better job of hoarding my fucks i'm giving too much of a fuck about this you know <laughs> 
Don't give him all your energy, girl. Yeah, he doesn't deserve it, Mm -mm. especially not in a sex episode. How did we end up talking about Ted Cruz? Nope. Uh, That whole, like, uh, marry, fuck, kill game. I'm not going to marry him. Sure as hell is not on my fuck list, so. Which, okay, wait, are we down with announcements yet? Yes. Yeah. Donate. Mm-hmm. Texas Organic Farmers is a, is a great place to put your money as well. Okay, on to the episode. Let's talk about sex, baby. All right. <laughs> uh, this is not in the notes, but, like, do you have, a like, a fuck list? <laughs> Maybe we should put... Okay, let's, let's like, reframe that. Okay. Um, do you have a list of either imaginary or actual people? People you have access to or don't have access to. It's usually imaginary fantasy people in a book or like celebrities. But mm-hmm. uh, I would I would totally list like if the opportunity arose. Yes, I have never been that girl. Really? Yeah, I I um, I think I'm one of the very few people I don't typically or I would say in general don't feel like starstruck you know with celebrities and I think that um I don't know but no I don't I mean I do you have a celebrity where you're like I'm sorry but they are so like that is my thing right there see no you know why because no because I don't feel like I know any celebrities like you don't right you don't none of us do right and I think maybe when I'm watching a movie I'm like oh that was a wonderful story and they portrayed the character well but it's so like Mm. I I'm such a realist you know that's Mm. my that's my problem is like they are portraying a character that's not really who that person is, although they did a great job acting like them. You, you don't know? go into a fantasy world no, where you are so the separate. recipient of like the love that they're giving in that movie, if it's that kind of movie. You don't? No. Okay, no. well, I do. Also, <laughs> I've discovered. I've discovered that I, I can... I think that's... I'm the abnormal one. You're probably more normal Oh, in this case. Oh, yes. generally speaking, I would say no, not at all. <laughs> really? I normal like there's yes I feel like plenty of people have that kind of fantasy or yeah. you know like you know I they think have it's that. all normal okay because I have like thought through this before like I so I keep a journal like a paper and pen journal is that Neo yes is Neo here Neo it's gonna get a little raunchy around here I don't know if you're ready for that <laughs> he's staring at me like can I get in there can Get I in sit? there, Neo. All can right. You can you? listen, but like like a vault. No one can ever know mm-hmm. about what we're talking about. Don't take notes. Okay. <laughs> Except the tens of tens of tens of listeners we have. <laughs> so many. Okay, well. Don't, he better not knock over my microphone. Okay. I am such like a... It, I'm, I'm a realist. But I'm not in a lot of ways. I love, like, fantasy. Like, I love making up stories. And it gets me in trouble because I will actively make up stories about people when I'm meeting them for the first time. Like, if someone comes at me 
uh, not sex stories, just general, right. like, I, I will make up what their life is, how they are. If there are blinks about a person for too long, right. like, if I don't get a strong impression about who a person is, and I'm just like, what's up with them? I will fill in those blanks rather than waiting. <laughs> like, I have to have them filled. So I just fill them myself. And then I'll find out later when I, you know, when someone tells me something, I'm like, oh, that's surprising. Because that's not what I had put in that blank for you. But I do that. Um, but anyway, I have this journal thing that I do when I have my, you know, paper and pen journal of extraordinarily horrid thoughts that no one should ever be privy to. I have a series that I do and it's called, why can't I have a love like that? And it's oh. because I have to orient myself to reality so often. So okay. if I'm reading a book or watching a show or a movie and I start to feel like, oh man, why can't, why isn't love like that? Why right. isn't it like that? Why isn't sex like that for me? Like, why mm -hmm. not? And then I have to sit down and be like, okay, so I'll describe the the movie or whatever. Like, so let's take Pride and Prejudice for an mm -hmm. example, because I think that's the first one that I did. And then I realized, ooh, this is a series for only myself. Anyway, so I describe it like very quickly. And then I, I, I go point by point, like plot point by plot point. What would have to happen for me to have to like end up with the result that I am seeking. <laughs> so like Pride and Prejudice. It's like, well, I would Starting have to, to be worry born a little bit. Yeah. I would have to be born in the eighteen hundreds, <laughs> which pre cancer was a problem because I spent four and a half years in braces and oh. about a year and a half with an actual headgear. You remember those headgears? Yes. With the wires and it would go around because I had such a profound, I still have an overbite, but I had a profound overbite. My mm. two front teeth crossed in the front. Oh. Like my teeth were jacked. So I would have to go through my entire life with those teeth, first of all, which is the first problem. Mm. Uh, and then like secondly, you know, more... Horrible things usually happen in these love stories. Yeah. And terrible. you don't realize how horrible they are until you like sit down and really think about it. Like Elizabeth Bennett, we think, oh, she was just snarky woman who like, you know, <laughs> humiliated this guy so perfectly that he yeah. ended up changing his entire personality. Not really, but you know, that's what people think. But anyway, you write it down and you're like, okay, I would have to be born and constantly worry about money, which, you know, I didn't know enough to worry about money when I grew up. I would have to be faced with the reality that I would be married off as right. as a way, you know what I mean? Like, grow up in a world where women are not valued, their minds mm -hmm. are not valued, nobody cares about you as a woman except for your currency, the currency of your body and your ability to make babies. Oof. And I think that would probably have a profound effect on me. Yeah. Um, it just, anyway, when you take it point by point, mm -hmm. it becomes not worth it anymore to like get there. So got it anyway. So I need reality orientation. Mm -hmm. How did we start this? Oh yeah. The list. The list. I do have a list and I'll tell you number one on my list may surprise you. Hmm. Um, number one on my list is Dev Patel. Really? Do you know yes. who Dev Patel? I absolutely do. Okay, girl, look. I absolutely do. I watched Lion. Mm -hmm. oh. Just on the recommendation of, I don't know, everyone on the internet. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this movie is amazing. And who is this? Who is this? 
man that right. I'm watching. And then I was like, that's Dev Patel. And I was like, why does that name sound familiar? He's the kid from Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah. Okay, oh, didn't I didn't know. know. Oh, no. okay. All right. I Because w- yeah. I, I watched Slumdog Millionaire, and I remember thinking, mm-hmm. that's a cute kid. Right. You know, I care for yeah. that kid. I hope things go well. I do mm-hmm. not remember feeling like a physical pull towards okay. that person. Not in that movie. And then I watched, I, I just can't believe that the little kid in Slumdog Millionaire turned into this. <laughs> I was like, What? Congratulations, so, sir. I Congratulations know. on that. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So Dev Patel pretty much encapsulates everything, basically. And he's and Rooney Mara is, is the romantic interest in Lion. And she's kind of a weird girl. Oh, you know what I yeah. mean? Uh-huh. She's a weird girl. And, I, and just the idea that he would be into that also kind of just strengthened that bond. So Dev Patel, number one. I And then there are others that don't matter. Right. I've also found that I can be not sexually attracted to a man, a celebrity, and I will then I will find out things about them that then change my mind. And mm. Chris Evans is one of those people. Oh, really? Captain America. Mm-hmm. As Captain America, as just straight up Chris Evans, I'm like, you're an attractive man, but I don't need that. Mm-hmm. Then I start reading some of his tweets and just realize he is an all-around seemingly super quality, quality person. Oh, cool. And then I feel like I just have to announce the fact that I am now sexually attracted to Chris Evans. So... <laughs> Just got to put that out there. Um, anyway, we're talking about sex. We're talking about sex pre and post breast cancer. Yes. So pre, pre-cancer mm-hmm. sex. Right. What was that like? Well, I would have to say pre-cancer and I pre-hysterectomy. It's fantastic. Got all my lady parts. They were working. I had hormones. It was amazing. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yes. Oh, hold on. Hold on. I forgot a very important announcement. Oh, okay. We're talking about sex this episode. Um, So if you're... This is so important. I can't believe I forgot this. If you're someone who knows me personally, (laughs) if we pass each other at work or uh, work alongside each other or most horrifyingly possible to me, if you are someone who works for me and you somehow have discovered this podcast, which I try Mm -hmm. to keep hidden at all costs from you specifically, um, (laughs) please leave now. Because I don't know where I've already admitted things that I don't want you to know. Please turn around now because I'm going to talk about things that I don't want you to know. And if Mm -hmm. you don't turn around, um, you're you're going to just have to pretend you did. Because if if at any time you refer to this, oh no, (laughs) to your knowledge of what is about to be said here, I will actively deny it. I will deny this ever happened. I will deny this is me. I will deny it so forcefully, and I know I have the ability to do this, that I will make you question 
the very basis of your reality. Mm. So t- proceed with caution and let us never mm-hmm. speak of this. Um, also, ever. if you are my children oh, in God. the future and you oh. know mommy put a podcast out there and you just want to hear my voice, this is not an episode you need to listen to. I love <gasps> you very much, but turn it off and just oh, skip. Grown up. Skip. Grown up little Ronnie and Rudy. I know. Well, I think about that. You know, if they get older and, you know, they miss of their course. mom and they're like, hey, my mom recorded this amazing podcast and I just want to listen to it to listen to her. Miss their and, mom? What, are you dying in this future? Well, I mean, I'm not going to live forever. But, or if I'm just, okay. you know, not living in the same city and they're like, I want to hear my mom's okay. voice okay. or want to know what my mom put out there. Don't oh God. listen to this one. Listen, Don't listen Ronnie to Rudy. this one. Your mother is a sexual being. She's a woman. Oh, they're She's turning it needs off now. And <laughs> desires. And we're going to talk about those needs and desires. So, yeah, if they're not scared off by that, then. Oh, Lord. I don't know. And friends know of what. my. Friends of my children also. No. This oh, is yeah. Not an episode for you. Not either. an episode for you. <laughs> Come on, have a little respect. <laughs> and also, if you do listen, just pretend you didn't, okay? Mm-hmm. We can never speak of this. Nope. Pre-cancer. Okay. Pre-cancer. So my relationship with, with sex is very has gone through a number of phases even before getting cancer. Mm-hmm. Growing up, I grew up in a very, and we'll go into this in our next episode a lot more when we talk about the Lord. But I grew up in a, a very evangelical environment. Um, we associated with other evangelical families. Church was a huge part of my upbringing. And as such, um, for this church, and specifically, I'm talking specifically about the evangelical churches that I attended. I'm not trying to generalize, but this seemed seems typical from what I hear from other people. But sex was a very, very bad thing that you should never think about or even consider doing until you're married. So I didn't want to go to hell. So I just didn't. I didn't date in high school because I felt like dating would be too close of an association to sex. Like I just completely shoved whatever part of me had those desires out of my mind. And I just, it was just not a thing I was going to do. I was a weird kid. So I just that's, fully embraced a lot weird. of other things. That's not weird. That has a I lot was, to do with what you taught and your upbringing. Yeah. That's not weird yeah. at all. It I was don't find what, that strange. Okay, good. I, that's what I was taught to value. Mm-hmm. And if that's what you were taught to, taught to value to, yeah, it's not strange. But also, mm-hmm. it's a goddamn fucking lie, and it's going to really screw you up. And just know that that's not your fault. Anyway, <laughs> it's not your moving fault. on. Um. And then I got married and sex was just suddenly like that, an option and and uh, kind of amazing also, but also very not automatic. Mm. You know, you can't, ugh, the lie of, of virginity, mm. the, the lie of like that, that surrounds that whole thing is so profound and it's, it's it's truly awful. And the idea that you would not practice something your whole life and then just suddenly be very good and fulfilled by it is <laughs> is a lie. That is a lie. I, I have it's to a lie. say that um, a very, very good friend of mine 
um, she had been taught probably similar things to what you've been taught. And I remember her when she got married or she was going to get married. Um, she was terrified. Absolutely. And I remember her calling me and she's like, does it ever get good? Yes. (laughs) And I was like, oh, and I, you know what? I have to say that I love my friend for, for trusting me to be able to, you know, to call me and talk to me. I was a little older than her and I was already married. Uh You were her sex mentor. Okay. Maybe not just that, but that was some, I was like, Hmm. (laughs) I was like a (laughs) sister. She was like a sister to me that we had grown up together. So that was not something that was, she felt uncomfortable talking to me about, you know, um, but yeah, that, you know, and I honestly, Mm. like, I felt like I'm, I know that there's plenty of other people out there that feel exactly the same way. And, um, there's plenty of things that screw that up for us. So many things. And I am so triggered by when I read literature because there is this weird pervasive part of romance novels that contribute to this idea of like the virgin and her first time, you know, being this transformative, amazing experience. And suddenly, you know, you become a woman uh, which ugh, I just hate that for so many reasons, but I'm very triggered by it because I haven't ever read like a virgin sex scene that results in like incomplete, incomplete um, intercourse or that does not result in orgasm for the woman. Right. Or that is like very awkward and like start, stop, start, stop. And then like finally you just do hand stuff. Which would be my reality. (gasps) And it worked out really well for me, actually, because I have a very generous, kind partner who is very attentive to my needs. And horrified at the idea that he could be hurting me at any given time, which has caused problems and actually currently is causing a bit of a problem. Right. Because post-breast cancer, Mm -hmm. I think he's terrified to touch me. Your shit's all jacked up after this. Your shit's all jacked up. It's really jacked. I've tried to explain that to my sweet husband. He's like, am I doing something wrong? And I'm like, no. And I hate that it's not you, it's me, because it really is me. It really is me. My parts don't work. They're broken. There's not even a mechanic that can fix that shit. <laughs> I don't even know. Wait, what? Okay. I know what parts don't work as well for me. Yeah. And it's, first of all, it's, I'm lucky in that I was able to retain one of my breasts. Mm-hmm. And so I have sensation there. But this one is, it's numb. Oh, yeah. there's. And mm-hmm. if breasts are a big part of, like, the lead up to sex for you mm-hmm. or during sex, you know, like the global umbrella term of sex, the whole thing, then you're fucked yeah, a little bit. You also, gotta find something new. <laughs> you gotta find somewhere else new, which the second like area of my body that would, would work really well is like my lower abdomen. 
Hmm. And now I have a huge scar there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't feel very well there. So that's out of the picture, too. So now we've localized these kind of, like, zones to one very specific zone. <sighs> yeah. It's just very frustrating. It's like, how how do you get naked and, like, see yourself and and look down and see what it looks like now and see your scars and, like... How do you push past that and stay in the moment the way I just, I used to feel like I had no reason. I just used to feel against all odds, against any evidence to the contrary that I just mm-hmm. had a great body. I, 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 was I always felt like my body was amazing. I was, I was very comfortable um, naked around my husband. Yes. You know, so comfortable. Even just, yeah, it doesn't, it didn't make me feel uh, self-conscious or anything. I mean, even if, even my flaws, I was fine with, like, I felt very good in my own body, but now there's just, yeah, weird stuff and scars everywhere and parts missing and numbness, like what you're saying. And yeah, it's, and I hate to be like a Debbie Downer, but golly, it's, (laughs) it's so difficult. And our spouses mm-hmm. who have watched us go through all of this. Yeah. Like I can only imagine how just like what you said, he's terrified of, of hurting you or, you know, and I can only imagine like how hard that is for them too. like visually. It, how do we do all this? I can uh, feel it. <laughs> I can yeah. feel it. I can feel the hesitant. It's like, uh, the the hottest thing about watching these movies and these sex scenes is everything's choreographed. Everything's scripted. <laughs> like right. that's where there's ultimate confidence. There's just it just goes off without a hitch. It's with complete seeming abandon, but really it's very well planned. Right. Of and course. maybe that's what I'm missing. <laughs> maybe I need to like write out the sex scene. One, you know? two, three, one, two, three. Right. Jocelyn enters okay. the bedroom. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> and then get he, a fan. He places so his hands. Goes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe I need to write it out. And then we do like a dry run, fully clothed. And then like, I don't know. I'm at this point willing to try different things. And that doesn't take me out of it at all. <laughs> but it's hard. And mm-hmm. I have a very, I don't know why. But I have, I've been married for like 15 years. I trust this person. Anyone who who goes through breast cancer with you and stays with you, like really stays with you, is not just a passenger along for the ride, but like is with you and a partner through it. Like, that's the the person. That's like the hero of the story. That's the, the, you know... That's the Mr. Darcy we should all be looking for, right? Mm -hmm. Someone who will do that. And I have that. And yet I have such a hard time just sitting down and being like, let's talk about sex. (laughs) Let's talk about (laughs) that thing we do sometimes Mm -hmm. that we would both maybe like to get something different out of. It is so hard. Mm -hmm. And when people talk to me about it or even like, I think about having those conversations because it's conversations. It's not like you have the conversation once and everything is done. It's like a, a continual dialogue and keeping that open and like even just opening it 
I find that incredibly difficult. Yeah. Incredibly difficult. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I think that um, it's really, really hard to explain how you're feeling and how to, yeah, it's, it's really, really difficult. I totally agree. And um, it takes a lot of patience. A lot of patience. I mean, mm. it took me a long time, um, you know, post a lot of, I'm just going to say a lot of those surgeries to be able to oh just God, look yeah. at myself in the mirror with, you know, after I got out of the shower, I was, I was like, oh my God, you know, and I'm still struggle with that a little bit. And, you know, that's. I mean, how how do you get past that and and then be I don't know feel good about being intimate like ugh, yeah it's it's definitely a struggle it's definitely yeah. and I you know it's funny because this sounds strange but a lot of people have asked me you know why haven't you had your nipples tattooed back on because maybe that would help you you know see yourself in the mirror and feel more. I would say, quote unquote, normal, but, um, I don't think that that's it for me. No, uh, no, no. What is it? I don't know. I haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. <laughs> when I do, I'll let you guys know when I'm I'll tell like, you what, Hey, I know exactly what it is and here's, what's going to fix it. Probably. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't either, and I. That's probably why it's so hard to have the conversation. It's because I don't actually know what's gonna work, mm-hmm. and I don't know why failing at it feels so devastating. But it does. It feels yeah. like it feels like you're in this space, and if you just, it's like if you dare to hope that something will work, it's worse right. than not trying at all because yeah. of the potential for disappointment is just so great right yeah I'm you know having a really good sex life with two small children and also having all these other issues around is is really difficult and um I'd have to say that um yeah I mean there's it's just it's a forward moving battle you know it's just something that you constantly have to um, work on and want to work on and yeah. um you know I uh I mean I struggle with it sometimes and I feel bad for my spouse you know <laughs> because I'm, I personally struggle um but you know he's so kind and very patient and you know will talk to me and and I think it's nice sometimes when, um, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling so great about myself where he'll try and take the focus off of those things. And, you know, maybe I'll buy a new hat or, (laughs) or some skincare products or, you know, filling the void. It's awful, but yeah, I totally use shopping as a coping mechanism Hmm. no matter what it is no -hmm. matter what it is Mm -hmm. and so in saying that would you say that you're that he wants sex more often than you do 
Like there's a mismatch? Yes. But it's not necessarily my want. It's more like my physical ability because, you know, since going through cancer treatment and having a hysterectomy, so many things have changed as far as just my regular bodily functions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I said, sometimes my lady parts are so broke. They're just like, I I don't know. It's so hard to explain. Like I can know, I can, t- I can tell personally. It's almost like my body's still on a cycle, even though I don't have a period. And I, I agree. I feel that way too. And I, there's some times where I'm like, oh, this is not a good time. This is definitely not a good time. I'm, I'm mm. just feeling like achy and, um, you know, I don't know. It's really strange. It's really strange. I do I, still have my ovaries, but they are non-functioning. Hence the darn hot flashes. Well, yeah. All the time. I mean, you had your hysterectomy and then also we, we get pills and shots to shut that shit down and let me tell you let me tell you about the devastating effects of being a menopausal woman reaching her sexual prime which for a woman i think your sexual prime begins at like 36 right don't believe what anybody else tells you Mm -mm. and before cancer before menopause Mm -hmm. i'm telling you i was ready all the time i have always been the one who was like more like ready to have sex at all times than, than my partner. My partner is, is very more like slow going and like, you know, circumstances have to be kind of right. I can be in the middle of something and I'm like, who wants to have sex? What? I heard, did someone say, I heard someone said sex. Are we ready? I can go. I can be ready in two minutes, like ready. (laughs) And I didn't understand that about myself very well because the actual sex, you know, like my idea of it is so, again, fantasized that when I'm actually doing it, I'm like, I mean, this is still good. Don't get me wrong. But it's like never matches in my head. And okay. I was watching. I wrote this down because I was, damn it, where did I put it? I was watching Fleabag like two years ago. I discovered Fleabag. I was sitting in my apartment. I had just gotten chemo and I had... Amazon up and the 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 picture like the thumbnail for Fleabag mm-hmm. is Phoebe Waller Bridges who stars in and 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 wrote Fleabag just her the her face looking devastated and lost and like mascara running down the front and I was like I don't know what the fuck this is but I'm watching it right now <laughs> cuz that's how I felt mm-hmm. and of course it has nothing to do with cancer but it's an amazing show it has two seasons now but I wrote down something that she said about sex, I think like in the very first episode and because it matches my feelings exactly. And she said, um, I'm not obsessed with sex. I just can't stop thinking about it. The performance of it, the awkwardness of it, the drama of it, the moment you realize someone wants your body, not so much the feeling of it. My God, that's it. That is it. And I used to think about it so much. Post cancer, post menopause, like days will go by and I don't even think about sex. 
days will yeah. go by. Here's the yeah. other thing. And here's where we go into like potentially TMI territory, but I don't care. Once or twice a month, pre-cancer, pre-menopause, once or twice a month, and I don't know how like common this is, but I would wake up from a dream having an orgasm. Whoa. Well, that could be normal. It's been like so regularly. Long. Oh. Usually around my period. Okay. Like right well, that... before I would get my period or like right after somewhere like in there. Well, that and explains a lot. And it's usually a sexy dream. I would have a sexy dream and I would wake up having an orgasm I'm once or twice a month. So I thought this was just a normal thing. It probably <laughs> is. To women? Probably, no, it probably is. And that, sound, that sounds totally normal based on where you were in your cycle. I mean, obviously, it, like when you're ovulating, that's yeah that's when you're the most uh, that's how human nature is i think so i think it's your body being like let's make a baby yes absolutely let's propagate the species (laughs) which i never wanted to do but like i just remember thinking like jesus what a gift thank you lord (laughs) it was such a gift since getting cancer since being postmenopausal I don't have sexy dreams hardly ever now. And waking up to an orgasm is maybe once a quarter. Oof. I haven't really tried to quantify it, but that has been like, and that's just one of the small things that has been ripped from me. (laughs) That, you know, no one is doing a research paper on this. No one is like, adding that to the to the intangible losses of cancer you know spontaneous waking with the spontaneous orgasm like a good one too i just it just sucks yeah and it's it's part of the whole thing that drive is gone and so when you were the driver in the relationship when you were the like main person who kind of initiates sex and then your drive for that goes away I mean, yeah, I know. I feel like that also does a num. I mean, I think in a way your spouse can understand that. I mean, I've been, I was always very upfront about, especially after having the hysterectomy and then going through the cancer treatment after that. Um, I think that, you know, that conversation was had, but it's also like, it's just so hard for them to understand because they're not experiencing it. And yeah. suddenly they have a very different woman as far as sexual, her sexuality is so yeah. different. Um, yeah. Then they did. I mean, gosh, I mean, and everything goes so quickly. You know, I had a hysterectomy in November. Um, then I found out I had cancer in February, the next February. And then I had, you know, my mastectomy and, and started chemo in April, you know, yeah. March and April. I mean, just that short time frame where I, my body went through a whole shit ton of changes. Um, and it happened so quickly. And then, you know, it's just hard. You can't even keep up. You can't keep no. up. Um, and I know for sure he could not even begin to understand what I was experiencing both physically and emotionally 
because it really changes, you know, I mean, your hormones is what drives a lot about you. Um, and you know, the sudden screeching halt, it's like, <laughs> it, actually it went in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> went right back. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dried it up like a little raisin. Mm-hmm. Um, it sure did. Yeah. It's, I mean, that is life altering and, you know, not just for you, but for your partner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's awful. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel like it's um, comparable to the way that I feel about working out. <laughs> like, I know it would be good to do. I don't always enjoy it while I'm doing it, but the idea of it I like. I love the way I feel afterwards, but I just can't get it to happen on a regular basis. And it's all up here. Yeah. Also comparable is like my idea of what I look like working out is like one way. (laughs) And then I'll catch myself in the mirror and I'll be like, oof, okay, well, that's not. uh, All right. Well, stop looking at yourself because that does not look like what I I feel so much like I look so much better than that. Like (laughs) it's probably what I look like having sex. Like in my mind, I'm like nailing it. You look so good. (laughs) And like if I ever saw rude awakening i really hope that never happens to me um before we go on let's bust some myths about sex in general okay pre-cancer post-cancer just generally speaking um Mm. from the the book the acclaimed work by uh dr jen gunter the vagina bible which if you haven't read already please stop listening to this and go get that book (laughs) either on tape or read it it's amazing. But um, just a few things. Uh, apparently, the vaginal orgasm is not a thing. Only 30% of women can actually orgasm with, with like penetration. And even when they do, it's clitoral. It all comes from the clitoris. All of it. Which, <laughs> we'll talk if, about you're the a, G-spot. if you're a male, oh, we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. If you're a male... Um, listening to this podcast for some <laughs> weird reason uh welcome hi uh-huh love that you're here good for you love it um also little anatomy lesson there is the vagina and that's the place where you put your penis if you're into that kind of thing and then like directly above that uh there's a little button kind of thing and that's like the uh the I mean, the visible part of the clitoris. The clitoris is actually like that button part, but then it has kind of a set of wings Mm -hmm. that kind of lay over the vaginal opening, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what you've, that's what you're going for, essentially. Even vaginal orgasms are because of stimulus to the clitoris. So Um, also, it's only 30% of women. Wow. Because again, when you watch television, when you watch these shows, when you watch. I mean, porn we'll get to, but you would think every woman is supposed to orgasm just from a penis. Right. Sorry, guys. <sighs> Only 30%. Guys and persons with, peni- with penises that <laughs> they like to put into vaginas. It's not a magic wand. Uh, there is no G-spot. <laughs> um, 
there's this doctor, Dr. Graffenberg, who wrote a famous paper where he believed he, key key term there, that he had found um, the G-spot. And actually, he hadn't. He had just uh, identified erectile tissue in mm. the woman from the clitoris, essentially. So sorry about it. But, but you know, if, if you're looking for a G-spot, I think we've already made it clear. Uh, have the woman show you where it is mm-hmm. because she knows. Absolutely. She knows. She knows. Um, she knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ask her. Uh, ask them as well. Right. You know, women have vaginas, but people who are not women have vaginas. There are men with vaginas and there are non-gender conforming people with vaginas. So be aware. Just be aware. Mm-hmm. Just ask the person what they want. Mm-hmm. Essentially is a good rule of thumb. Um, being dissatisfied with your love life is not unusual. About 50% of people report that they are fully happy and content with their love life, which means half of us are not. Wow. For whatever reasons. Yeah. And then also porn is ruining sex for women. Oh. Yeah. Just Probably for men it. too, though. You know? Probably for men too, though. Mm-hmm. Probably, yeah, for totally a lot of people. A false sense of what it really should be or is or and then I'll, it, yeah. it's a thing, okay? And here's how Dr. Jen Gunter puts it. Learning about sex from watching porn is like learning to drive by watching car chase movies. <laughs> so if you're learning to drive by watching uh-huh. Fast and the Furious, mm. it's probably not a real portrayal of the rules of right. the road. Mm-hmm. Porn is not an actual portrayal of what a body is capable of. No. And in a lot of cases, what a body wants. Or even what a body looks like. Or even what a body, oh, for the love of God, what a body looks like. Mm -hmm. Also ruining sex for a lot of us are romance novels. And as you brought up, childhood Mm -hmm. cartoons, which at first Mm -hmm. I was like, what What? kind of cartoons were you watching? But then when you explained it, Mm -hmm. it made a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. Like Snow White, Beauty and the Beast. There's always some man that's there to rescue pretty much any like old school fairy tale princess movie you know where the girl has to be rescued and then her man swoops in and immediately falls in love and they literally get married like days after they meet like it's right some amazing fairy tale that's what you have to look forward to that is maybe they kiss beforehand. Maybe. <sighs> but there's definitely no like <laughs> sex before marriage. There's no like cohabitation. There's no I mean, most of the time her parents are dead, so there's no like meet my oh. parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or they her parents locked her up in a tower after she fell oh, right. asleep when they unwittingly invited a witch to her birthday party. Oh right, right, um, right. Or there's a dragon or something. Yeah, like something like that. And yeah, so I understand fairy tales are allegories more than they are like literal stories. But but growing right. up, you don't get that. No, but what does that teach our our young women? Yeah. That, and I know that now with newer stories and things like that, they are paying attention to that. Mm-hmm. But um. You know, they haven't always. And I think that that's really important to put it out there. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's some really crazy 
stories out there. Uh, that but... to me is on par with porn in terms of ruining the sexual experience for people in adulthood or relationship expectations yes because it's all it's all intertwined yeah it just seems completely ridiculous just completely ridiculous that um yeah i mean that kind of romance is only for stories it is. It's only four stories, and I would really love to see stories either, like, leave that out for if it's for kids. Obviously, I don't think, I mean, I'm not a parent, but I would imagine <laughs> that realistic sex scenes are not something parents are clamoring for in their childhood cartoons. But could we then not end it in marriage every time? Because right. that is just... It's so silly for so many different reasons. Yeah. The amount of time that as an adult woman I have spent uh, lamenting the fact that I am not Elizabeth Bennett and I am not married to Mr. Darcy um, (laughs) and his sprawling estate and perpetually living in that moment after he takes a spontaneous dip in his own lake and then is walking towards me all wet I mean yeah I mean it's a sad sad state of affairs that that's not the case but also it's just again I guess I could write that into my life if 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 I could convince the other person all right I'm getting all kinds of ideas um short uh BSA, little uh, breast service announcement. I've renamed it. I love it. Thank you. Uh, we are two cis-het women, that's cisgendered, uh, heterosexual women, talking about predominantly penis and vagina sex between two adults, and that's not all sex is. Nope. Uh, we're also talking about consensual sex as a default. Speaking of consent, it's not static. You don't just give consent at the beginning of sex and then you're like, uh-oh, I guess I'm locked in no matter what. It's continual. Right. It's it's a moving thing. It is, it's fluid, okay? So mm-hmm. consent is continually being given and can be revoked at, at any, any moment time. for mm-hmm. any reason, for any reason mm-hmm. at all. Um, yeah, and you should never ever be made to feel bad about that and if you have a partner who makes you feel bad about that then uh, my recommendation is you get a new partner um, mm-hmm. because shame has no place no. in in the consent process and I don't know who needs to hear this and we've touched on this a little bit already but take it from me that being a virgin until you get married does not make you a better person than your peers you're not better than everybody else nope virginity is not a virtue and it is not the gold standard it's it's not even a thing. It's not even a thing. Mm. We gotta let it go. Also, enjoying sex as a woman or a femme or non-binary person or really any non-cis het male does not make you a slut. No. It makes you a person who likes sex. Right. Also, with consenting adult persons, there is no right way to do sex, and there is no universal right amount of sex to be doing. If you are threatened by the idea of other consenting adults having sex that is outside of the very specific parameters you've created around your own sex life, well, that has everything to do with you and nothing to do with them. That's your problem. (laughs) 
you're an adult and all parties are consenting, great. That's between the two or three or four or 12 of you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. No wrong way to do it. Nope. Fucking let fuck, man. That's where I'm coming from. And if you find out something that works really, really well, please share. Come on. Let's not be <laughs> greedy. Let's not be greedy. Yeah. I'd inquiring minds would like to know. <laughs> All right. Back to the episode. <laughs> and that's it right there. Yeah. Because I can tell you what. I grew up knowing for goddamn sure that it was wrong to have sex. But no one taught me, like, that my body belonged to me. Mm-hmm. And that I was the person who would be able to decide what to do with it, what to let other people do with it. Like, that was not a pervasive message in my life growing up. Mm-hmm. And I think, for me anyway, that's the most important message. Right. This belongs to you. No one else should be able to tell you to do something with your body at all. Yeah. Full stop. It's yours. And you should not do that to other people. Right. It's just, it's just, our priorities are kind of weird. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of changes after breast cancer, especially if you're menopausal. Um, and some mm-hmm. of them include the need for lubrication. Oh. Wasn't a factor before. It's definitely a factor now. And I can tell you, I've tried a few kinds. KY jelly is like the one everyone tells you to use. I don't like it very much. They make like a natural one. I like it even less. Mm. I have found uh, one company, the uh, what's the the necessary or necessary, mm-hmm. um, spelled like with an I E at the end because it's maybe like the French way to spell it. I don't know, but they have something uh-huh. called the sex gel, and that stuff very is pretty specific. Good. <laughs> yes. Yeah, see, they're not playing around. Uh, they let you know what, what things what are for. for. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and I appreciate that transparency. Mm-hmm. So they have, like, the sex gel, the deodorant, the body wash. Okay. And their stuff is, I think, I think it's natural, um, which, you know, better living through chemistry is my motto, mm. one of the many. But this stuff's good, and it and it, like, it's the right consistency, and it performs well. So I like that. Nice. Um, do you have any recommendations on that front? Um, I'm not always the purchaser of said items. Oh. So, mm-hmm. so uh, there's there's an array. Um, there's a selection. There is. There is. And, you know, now that you say that, I'm probably going to go buy the, what is it called? The sex gel. The you know where you gel. can get it? I don't, but I'm going to find it. Sephora. <gasps> no joke. Don't feed. Don't feed I'm that. I'm oh, sorry. I'm totally going to so buy it bad. now. I'm going. I know. I'm do it. It's really good. I'm I use their deodorant cart. now, um, which is very good. It's one of those push-up ones, which is like a cream deodorant, which I've never liked before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it like it totally disappears and I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it's somehow making my armpits nicer. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Interesting. Uh, but I like it. I like it a lot. I'm not really um, a sweaty girl. So I, I mean, I'm pretty good with um, a very uh, 
mild. Oh, like a light performing. And you're, yeah, I'm. Hmm. I mean, the hot flashes it's... make it difficult for me to not hmm. be. A oh yeah, sweaty. yeah, yeah. But what I hate is mm-hmm. when my deodorant comes off inside my shirts, <gasps> especially dark shirts, and you see kind of that. So I went to a spray deodorant, which works well, but I'm just worried about inhaling deodorant every day. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that's a so good now point. I'm yeah. So now I'm. I mean, I I have no evidence to support the idea that inhaling a fine mist of deodorant occasionally is a problem. But in my own mind, I've decided I don't like it. So, um, that's a very pain, valid point. Yeah, pain with sex is a notorious thing that happens to mm-hmm. you after menopause and it, a lot of time it's lubrication related but yeah. either way don't live with it see mm-hmm. a doctor and if yeah. that doctor doesn't help you see another doctor and if that doctor doesn't like you gotta you gotta keep trying and i know that that's a an easy statement to make for someone who is fully insured and has access to multiple doctors but but um, also yes i want to bring up the point that we have, as breast cancer patients, we have mm-hmm. already been in a many doctor's offices. A many. Most yes. of the time, topless. Now you're telling us that we need to go yeah. to more doctor's offices more now doctors, with our pants yes. off. And now take your pants off. <laughs> oh. Hike that skirt off. See, and I, I, and I am one. <laughs> so awful. That I, I just... I got to a point where I was like, I'm so done going to the dang doctor. And I know that I have to. I know that I need to. I know that I I need to take care of other parts of me. But I am sick of going. I had too many. I had too many. Too many surgeries. Too many doctor appointments. Too much crap. And I just needed a big, long break of doctor appointments. Like, I just... And I know, I know that going to a gin doctor, because I don't have girl parts anymore. Oh so my God. I know that that's a good thing that I probably need to go down, but have I done it? No. Okay. Mm. So I'll admit I have not been to, okay, wait, I did. I went to the gynecologist when I found that thing on my labia. Mm-hmm. Um, but since then, because when I did that, uh, I had a full-on out-of-body uh, crying experience in my car. I have not been back. I remember. And I really do need to go and get screened. Here's something you may not have heard of. Vaginismus. What? Vaginismus. This can happen at any point in your life, but it especially can affect you after breast cancer or after, or if it's like your first time having sex. And what this is is just that the muscles that wrap around the vagina are very very tight and if you're having penis and vagina sex the penis will go to get in there and it's like hitting a wall it's not getting in there's no amount of like relaxing that you can do that'll get that penis in there also tmi alert like i thought that was like vagina christmas but clearly not. <laughs> so here's another problem. Uh-oh. Here's another problem in our society that we promote the idea of a tight vagina being the epitome of vaginal health. And, you know, because because the way that we understand sex and the way that it's promoted, it's very penis centric. Mm. 
It's very whatever serves the penis. Mm. So, of course, a tight vagina would serve the penis, right? However, I can tell you from personal experience, it is not comfortable. And having a tight vagina, an over-tight vagina, does not service the the, the vagina owner. So, I did not know I had this until, of course, I started having sex and then realized something is wrong here because it's not working mm-hmm. and then went to an OB-GYN and got diagnosed with this so a lot of times yes yes which again having a too tight vagina sounds like a male fantasy and that's all it is it's a fantasy it's not good for anybody <laughs> it's not a great thing and it also once again doesn't make you better no. than anyone else um it's awful, actually. It's it's terribly awful, and you feel like there's something wrong with you, which is really unfortunate. Yeah. But a lot of times for true cases of vaginismus, vaginal dilators are um, prescribed. Wow. Which are, yes, these, you know, they look like tiny penises. Uh, they don't actually look like tiny penises. They're just like a, a tube. But anyway, you just kind of gradually introduce you know, larger and larger and larger over the course of weeks until you've kind of stretched those muscles out. I've never. And then heard you can put this. a human man-sized penis in there. So, yeah, not a lot of people have heard of this, but it's a real thing that happens and can happen after like substantial changes in your body. So, wow. um, so okay, okay, okay. Let's say you're. All these things are ringing true for you. The sex stuff, the like disinterest. What do you do? So what do you do? I don't know. And if you find out, can you tell me? <laughs> can you just let us. I would. Can you let yeah. us know if you find out how. Um, mm-hmm. I do, but I did. I did gather a little bit of information on the on the World Wide Web, which um, you should be very careful about getting. Just get your information from rep- reputable places. So. Right. That is what I have. Um, here are some things that I gathered. I found a nice page on breastcancer.org mm-hmm. that basically out- outlined these basic principles. And the first is you don't be surprised that you have to reacquaint yourself with your own body and then reacquaint your partner with your body. What you like, what what is working for you now, what doesn't work for you anymore. I think right. we've already talked about that. Um, also, your partner you may not realize they need to be reassured that you're ready for sex again, that right. you want that, that you where it's okay to touch you. And they might need like consistent reassurance, which is the thing I'm not good at. Um, yeah, me either. I just feel like I should be able to tell you once and then you remember forever and ever and ever. Amen. Yeah. And that's just not how people work. I'm and like, don't so, squish it. Don't squeeze it. That hurts. Right. You got to tell them every time beforehand. Mm-hmm. Again, I think I just need to write it out. Mm-hmm. I think I'll just get a script together. See? Get Ow. some costumes. No. Just no. 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 Well, maybe write directions. Like, no. Oh, on my skin. With an arrow. On your body. And then, yes. Yes, 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 yes. On this one. This way, go. Then, yeah. Go down here. Don't forget this. <laughs> Draw little and, parameters around things. And if you roll doubles. <laughs> roll doubles. Yahtzee. 
<laughs> oh my god. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. This is, this is the sex scene I want to see in a movie. This one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, like that game. <laughs> that game operation. The whole oh operation. <laughs> You should just hold the taboo buzzer. Like, get the game out. Hold the buzzer. And whenever he gets somewhere that you're like, eh, no. 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 Okay, there you go. There you go. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So your partner may generally be waiting for you to, to let them know. Like, you're you're into sexual stuff. Um, and you be may be waiting to give yourself permission to resume it and this can be really really hard if you don't feel good about your own body right so much of sex is being confident in your own body so much of like being willing to do it being turned on all of it is just how you feel about your own body and it's really hard you know when you look down and you're like remember that time i got cancer (laughs) not sexy (laughs) so um, but here are some resources you can look in for yourself. Breastcancer.org has a page that titled Changes in Your Sex Life After Breast Cancer. Um, so you can Google, you can just go to breastcancer.org and look for it. You can Google breastcancer.org, Changes in Your Sex Life. Um, the American Cancer Society has a page, Body Image and Sexuality After Breast Cancer. Mm. Um, so that's a good one, the American Cancer Society. And then a good, if you want to get real in-depth, I actually found this to be fascinating. There is a National Institute for Health published study um, on their site uh, that is titled Sexuality After Breast Cancer, Need for Guideline. Um, and it is, it is a literature review. So these researchers gathered all the available literature about um, sexual function after breast cancer and compiled it into this um, research paper. And in terms of research, literature reviews and meta-analyses like this are the gold standard. So this study is from 2012, which is not as recent as uh, would be optimal, but it still holds up. Um, and there's no reason to eliminate research papers that aren't within the last five years unless you yourself are like an academic or a researcher or you're writing a paper for your um, graduate degree in nursing. You have to have it within the last five years. But I don't hold myself to those standards. Um, but this was a really good one. It's very specific. It's very specific. It talks about intimacy. It talks about arousal, orgasm, all of it. Like it's not a... It's an academic paper using uh, words that aren't typical of acad- academic papers. It's pretty good. Um, nice. It's generally speaking, it's the steamiest uh, literature study I have ever read. So cool. Good times. Um, and then obviously talk to your doctor about it. Uh, I say that, but I 100% am not going to talk to my oncologist about this <laughs> because he's like, a male in his 70s, 60s. Mm. He's great, but he's just not the person I want to talk about. But what I will do is in the in-between times when I see the nurse practitioner oh, yeah. who is of childbearing age and a woman, I may bring it up to her. Let me know I what feel- she says. I will. Oh, girl, I will. Because I, <laughs> I just want to see like what 
what she's heard, what she knows. Yeah. You know, gather your credible information from a number of sources, which right. this podcast does not count as a number of sources. Nope. It's one source for anecdotal information that mm-hmm. is hilarious but (laughs) fantastic (laughs) if i do so say myself um okay you got anything else you want to put in here no i feel good about it okay have you thought of a celebrity that you would totally go after if they were available to you you know maybe this has to do with my very low sex drive Okay, could, could mm, do, mm-hmm. could do. Yeah. Um, I'll send you some recommendations. How about that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. As I mean, as they occur to me, it's not like I keep a file on the thing, but you know, mm-hmm. I appreciate. I find a lot of people sexually attractive. I just do. There are just a lot of people in the world, and not like I don't find. I would say in general, like the six pack abs, like ripped guy, I can appreciate that body for the work that's been put in, but that's not really what I'm sexually attracted to. I like a guy who's slightly overweight, tall, beefy forearms. Okay. Hairy, beefy forearms. Oh, like Popeye, maybe. Actually, (laughs) I like beefy forearms and tiny chicken legs. Oh God! Yeah. Wow. That was good. That's my type. Mm-hmm. In conclusion, sex. Yep, sex. It's a thing. It's mm-hmm. how you use it, and who you use it with. Right. And during which you should be like, yeah, I want to be here doing this. Absolutely. Good rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. Um, sex after breast cancer can be different body changes numbness decreased sensation dryness or just plain old disinterest you may feel differently about your body which influences how you believe your body will be perceived by your partner or partners mm-hmm. so that's normal ladies and just learn to love yourself and your new self and you know tattoo it if you want to or don't okay I mean, you could just Sharpie it. That's yeah. like a non-permanent way of sure. trying it out. Could you imagine? See if me? you like it. I might Sharpie some nipples on just to be fun. Oh, my gosh. My oh husband my would laugh so hard. I should actually you should write do it. Okay, but random things on Sharpies there. come in all different colors now. We'll see if I have the time to do that. I really like this Sharpie idea. I really do. I think it's worthwhile. Um... Struggling with sex after breast cancer is normal. There's nothing wrong with you. It's expected and it sucks. And it doesn't just go away without some action on our part. And once again, that's cancer putting in zero work. Mm -hmm. Zero work. Just Mm -hmm. coming in here, fucking your shit up and giving you things to do about it. So, yeah, that sucks that like cancer comes in and fucks it all up and then it's on us to fix. Right. And figure out. But that is what it is. You know, we can spend all of our energy being mad about it. Or we can just get shit done. Yeah. 
Anyway, that's our show. Follow us on Instagram at Breast Cancer is Boring. Shoot us a DM, comment, like, all subscribe, uh, bookmark. Uh, I don't know what the other buttons do. I'm not great at Instagram. All right, get out and talk to your partners about sex and have some good stuff. Woohoo! I don't, I've actually never seen a porn.